are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans in NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Monday, and uh, fun game last night. Interesting weekend overall for the Pelicans, really a tale of two fourth quarters that collapse against the Phoenix Suns. What the hell was that, right? And then, coming back from third... 13 down in the fourth quarter to send the game to overtime where they beat the Boston Celtics, capping off the biggest comeback 24 points in team history. Zion was excellent after being kind of quiet. We're going to talk about both of these games in the opening, but in particular, how exactly did the Pelicans come back from 24 down? Let's look at what they did defensively. Let's look at the changes they made offensively too, because this was an eye-opening game, I think, for New Orleans in their win against Boston. Then we'll touch on the Phoenix Suns game as well. And then in the final segment, I'm going to bring on John Corrales, host of the Locked On Celtics podcast, my co-host on the Wednesday edition of Locked On NBA, to talk about this game a little bit more and get his opinion as someone I really trust. So let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code Locked On, and you're going to get 20% off your next order. So let's not bury the lead here and let's talk about the biggest comeback in team history. Yes, you heard that right. Usually when you play the Pelicans, you make history or set a record, usually in terms of three-point shooting against them. Here in this game, though, it was the Pelicans setting the record, a team record in their comeback win over the Boston Celtics. They were down by as many as 24, and they managed to come back and get the win thanks to a big fourth quarter that they won 34-21 to before sending this into overtime that they won 12-5 to in route to a 120-115 victory. So we can look at the first two quarters if we wanted and, and kind of dissect that. Maybe we'll touch on that in a minute here. But it doesn't matter because this team woke up in the second half, in particular in the fourth quarter. They were down 13 at the start of the fourth and managed to come back and win this one. And it largely was because Zion Williamson, to a lesser effect because he had been good all game, Brandon Ingram, but Zion finally started to get going. Through the first three periods, Boston really managed to frustrate him. It was a combination of a couple of things that got Zion going in the fourth quarter and overtime, you know, and in the third quarter to some degree too. They, in the first half, played decent defense on him. We've seen him struggle with kind of hyper-athletic springy big men and Robert Williams blocked a shot of his, so on and so forth. You could really see some of that that was kind of frustrating him. But at the same point, he was still beating them and getting to the rim and just managing not to finish. He shot 52% on the night, and that's an insanely low field goal percentage for him. He was getting to the rim. He just wasn't wasn't able to convert. Like, that's just kind of how it was. He was missing bunnies. And sometimes, you know, again, make or miss league, right? He was just missing. It wasn't really a big deal. I thought the offense looked fine overall. They just weren't converting looks that they normally convert. And that usually bodes well for the future. And then the refs weren't doing Zion any favors either. And frankly, the refs in this game, frankly, sucked. From the ejection on J.J. Redick, that was complete BS, but maybe a needed moment because it seemed to wake New Orleans up. Because in the fourth quarter, they played with energy and committed to playing defense like we really haven't seen very often from them this year. Defensively, they 
changed their game plan to some degree and at least tried to make things a little bit more uncomfortable for the Boston Celtics stars. Instead of playing drop coverage, meaning the screen, the guy who's defending the screener, usually the big man, dropping back to kind of eliminate a roll to the rim and letting maybe the ball handler kind of do their thing, stopped doing that and instead started focusing on trying to press at the point of attack. So a guy like Kemba Walker in the fourth quarter went one of six, basically all from the perimeter, more or less. Same thing in overtime, too. You got the ball out of Jalen Brown's hands, two of four in the fourth quarter, and really just kind of limited him and didn't let those guys beat you and tried to force others to do it. And those guys weren't able to do it. So the ball went back to the Boston Stars and they managed to just not do a good enough job because the Pelicans were actually trying on the defensive side of the ball. So that when you hear people say this Pelicans team could be really good, you saw it in that fourth quarter. They cared, really sparked by Josh Hart and what he was trying to do on the defensive side of the ball in particular. But they really cared on there. They kind of worked as a unit and they found something schematically that really seemed to work for them. And over time, no one played particularly great offense, but it was also partially due to the Pelicans limiting what Boston was trying to do. And again, trying to almost, in a sense, impose their will on them and at least make them uncomfortable. You haven't seen that very often from New Orleans. And then, of course, it helps when Zion and the rest of these guys really started to get going. Brandon Ingram was really good all night in this one. Um, And so was Zion Williamson. He played all 12 minutes in the fourth and went five of six. When his shot started to fall, when he started to impose his will and kind of break down some of the defensive things that Boston was doing, yeah, he looks really good, right? 13 points from him in that quarter. Brandon Ingram was two of four. He made three, six points from him. And then Josh Hart, who has come up Big at times over the past couple of weeks, while also being a no-show at times too, was three of four from this one in the fourth quarter for nine points. That was who led this team. And it was interesting to see some of the spacing out there. I don't think spacing is that big of a deal for New Orleans. But they started using Niccolo Melli at the five and Zion as the four, putting a court spacer out there with him. I mean, it coincided with Zion's best stretch of the game. I'm not saying there's pure causation there, but... Probably something tied to it to some degree. So New Orleans in the fourth quarter and then overtime, just good and made their free throws. That was also a big, big part of the seven of nine in the fourth quarter, which was, you know, good enough. You'd like them to make all of that and then also making enough in overtime to really get it done. But seeing this team play defense was awesome. This is kind of what you'd hope to see from them all year long. That, as Josh Hart said it, junkyard dog mentality after the game. What you all have wanted to see is them just wake up and give a damn on that side of the ball, right? We know they have the tools to do this. You've got a defensive coach who's been drilling this stuff into them and trying different things recently. And they just don't because there's times defensively when they look like they don't care whatsoever. But in this one... They looked like they cared, and that was really big. Notice, no Eric Bledsoe in the fourth quarter for the Pelicans in this one. Really, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, and Nicolo Melli were the key guys down the stretch. I liked it. Liked that they cared. Liked that they really, really tried and gave a damn in this game when that's not something that you normally see. 
The offense is there. Zion is that good that when he is going, if you get a little bit of defense and a couple of stops, and look, they didn't make clutch stops. The Boston Celtics hit the final shot of the game to basically tie it up and send it to overtime. You couldn't get a stop on that. And while it wasn't the easiest shot for the Celtics, it was still not the hardest shot. And they managed to do some pretty quick work to get that too when time was really slim. That's going to be a problem going forward. But when you show that you can kind of ratchet it up, play defense like you at least care and have some pride, right? This team can be good. They're not going to win a playoff series good, but they can be good. Also helps that Boston has been struggling recently too. But overall, this was stark contrast from the Pelicans in the fourth quarter against the Phoenix Suns. And let's look at that game a little bit too and kind of compare it to this one in the next segment. Before we do that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing, and Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, and Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds that you want to find. Really, it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code Locked On. It's free money right there. It's like you've already won a bet. Again, that is promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus over at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast. Whether you're a new listener, someone who's been tuning in recently because you've realized how freaking good Zion is, or you've been with me since the beginning pretty much of this show, I appreciate you being along for the ride and making me part of your day. Please subscribe, tell a friend about the show. One thing that helps, that's also going to take you maybe 30 seconds at most to do wherever you get your podcast, leave a five-star review with a comment that helps Beyond more than you guys can know, it takes you 30 seconds. The show is free five days a week for you all. There is no paywall or anything like that. You just get free Pelicans basketball talk, and we don't really ask for anything in return. On occasion, though, it's nice to see some reviews come in that really do help the show out. So leave a five-star review with a comment wherever you get your podcasts. So the win on Sunday night against the Boston Celtics in stark contrast to what happened against the Phoenix Suns two nights before on Friday. And look, against the Celtics, 24-point comeback, biggest in team history. They cannot be understated about how important that is for the team and just the psych, uh, psyche of them and their mentality. You've wanted to see them just wake up like this, right? How many times have you wanted to see the offense go through both Brandon Ingram, who was clutched down the stretch, right? He hit big shots for New Orleans, including the three-pointer in overtime that really was the dagger and put New Orleans up by enough to ultimately win the game, which also came on a pass from Zion Williamson. It was everything you wanted to see. Them doing what they should be doing offensively and then them playing enough defense to get the win. The way the offense has been clicking through the point Zion era, which is last, you know, it's been like a month, has been so good that you don't need elite defense. You just need okay enough defense to try and get those victories. And in the fourth quarter, they did it. That's exactly what you want to see from this team. At least right now, you'd like better defense overall, but I'll live with what we saw from them in last night's game. Also really great, really great to see Brandon Ingram come through in the clutch and be aggressive and try and attack the basket more so than we've seen from him over the past handful of games. Though he did it against the Phoenix Suns. And Zion was on pace for a monster game against the Phoenix Suns. But that all came to a screeching halt in the fourth quarter of that one. A quarter that just 
Woof, right? Like, there's there's no other way to put it. They were outscored 41 to 12. 41 to 12 in a game that they led by as many as 11 in in the fourth quarter. That's kind of like the Pelicans we were expecting, right? To be perfectly honest. You look at the final numbers and it's pretty good. Zion was 8 of 11. Brandon Ingram was 10 of 20. Zion, 23 points. BI, 25 points. You had 21 points from Lonzo Ball. These are all good numbers, except it didn't show up whatsoever in the fourth quarter. Now, you saw some defensive adjustments from the Phoenix Suns, but here's some things that are going to jump out at you. The only people that scored for New Orleans in the fourth quarter were Zion Williamson, J.J. Redick, Sindarius Thornwell, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Five of those points in Sindarius Thornwell and Nikhil Alexander-Walker came in when the Pelicans had just thrown in the towel and kind of subbed everyone else in. Other than that, you got five points from J.J. Redick and two from Zion Williamson. It's an unacceptable amount. Zion, 0 for 1. Brandon Ingram, 0 for 3 in the fourth quarter, including missing two threes that he took. You've got to get these guys the ball more and run your offense through them. Even when teams key in on them, you've got to try and force it to some degree, right? We kind of saw this against the Portland Trailblazers. You've just got to get, you, you can't go a final possession or a fourth quarter where Zion only takes one shot. Now, he had more scoring possessions than that. He really had three of them because he got to the line twice, but still, right? Three shots for Zion in the fourth quarter when the game was, you know, going into the fourth close. That's that's not right. So seeing what they did against the Boston Celtics and how they kind of switched that and turned it around to run the offense through those guys and those guys rose to meet the challenge, I think is a really big improvement. It's nice that you saw some positive progress just two nights later because what you saw from Phoenix or against Phoenix, yikes. There was just nothing good there. You kind of want to like kind of wave it off, but the Pelicans didn't play defense. They didn't even really look like they could figure anything out on offense when you've got to be led by your two stars. So it was nice to see them kind of rise to that challenge on Sunday against the Boston Celtics and really deliver that victory. That's something that can kind of stay with you and shows they're capable of doing this. And that's why it's so frustrating when they don't. So now the question becomes, can the Pelicans do this going forward? Like, did they figure something out in this game or is it just a blip on the radar and not necessarily predictive of anything to come? They experimented with some new lineups. You saw Nicolo Melli in there and you know what? Even though he didn't really make shots and didn't help in that way, there's some court gravity to him, some. And he was pretty good defensively, I thought, in this one. You know, that's that's something more so than what we've seen a lot of from the team in the past. And so that's kind of a big deal. Do they then decide to elevate Josh Hart in some capacity? And I think it's maybe worth trying that. He's been playing significantly more minutes than Eric Bledsoe these past couple of games. They clearly trust him a little bit more. And you're seeing that kind of Eric Bledsoe fading from the rotation late in games, especially. They've been closing with Josh Hart over Eric Bledsoe. Do you elevate Hart to a starter? Do you want to try and put the best five out there? Usually the starting group, at least at the start of games, hasn't been bad. But do you maybe want to mix it in there and put Josh Hart in there to see if that does anything differently either? Does his energy move off to guys like Zion, to Ingram, to help them and try and get them playing at his level? Is it worth doing that? And I think these are questions that Stan Van Gundy's going to really need to look hard at going forward. You know, I've thought B.I. struggles, kind of struggles, even though, again, he's averaging the same amount of points per game. He's just doing it far less efficiently. Thought that's kind of just been a, a him thing, like a you thing when it comes to B.I., a B.I. problem. Is it maybe helped by giving a guy like Melly more minutes? 
you know, he still was really good with Willie Hernan Gomez out there, and Hernan Gomez was pretty good in this game overall, making uh, grabbing 13 rebounds, missing a ton of bunnies. And this is why, again, he's not like a starter necessarily going forward, but a guy that can just give you some good enough minutes as a backup off the bench because you can't go three of 10 every night as a starter. You know, do they have something there? And I think these are some of the big questions around the team as we get towards the second half of the season, which is going to be here. The final game for the Pelicans is March 4th. So we're about two weeks away from that. And then we have the second half of the season after the All-Star game, of which, by the way, Zion Williamson should be in there. So I'm going to be curious to see what this team looks like against Detroit on Wednesday. Will we see a change to the starting lineup? And you've seen that Stan Van Gundy hinted maybe that was going to be coming. He had hinted that there would be some change to the rotation. We've seen that to some degree. But does he go even more with this? Because that energy that Josh Hart brought to the team, particularly in the fourth quarter against the Boston Celtics, leading to a 24-point victory or a 24-point come-from-behind win, is really something. And if you can force B.I. and Zion to play like that and at that level defensively for an extended period of time, a couple of games, let's say, do they then be, are, are they then able to carry it going forward? I'm not sure. It's a taller ask than, you know, it being easy. But it's worth looking at that because, man, they look like a different team in the fourth quarter against Boston. And I want to see if this team can capture any of that, any of that, and maintain it moving on from there. So coming up next, I'm going to bring on host of the Locked On Celtics podcast, my good friend and co-host of Locked On NBA with me on Wednesdays, John Corrales, to get his opinion on last night's game. So that's coming up here on Locked On Pelicans in just a moment. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is also brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. It's really that simple. You've got to give these things a try. They've got a mixed box that you can try a bunch of the different flavors and then come back and order the ones that you like the most because one of the best things about this, other than these things tasting great and being great for you because these bars are low in calorie, low sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, is the promo code Keeps working. So go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code Locked On. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Then when you find the flavors you like, and I promise you there will be flavors that you like because these bars are nothing like you've ever tried before. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They are all delicious and they're good for you. And if you want a protein bar, you may as well eat the one that tastes good. So when you go back after choosing the flavors you like the most, you can use that promo code Locked On again for another 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Again, that is promo code Locked On for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Don't forget to listen to the Locked On NBA podcast on Mondays and Wednesdays when I co-host with my guest coming up here in just a second, John Corrales. Josh Lloyd, host of our widely popular Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast, takes you around the NBA's major headlines with the help of our local experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast today, wherever you get your podcast. And I'm on there talking about Zion. So if you want a little bit more Zion talk for your day, make sure you listen to the Monday edition of Locked On NBA. All right, joining me now on Locked on Pelicans. We've done this before. This is also weird to be have recorded this on a <laughs> Sunday night. I've got John Corrales of Locked on Celtics here, my Wednesday Locked on NBA co-host. This is, uh, it's weird when it's not in like the rhythm of the week. I know, I know. There's, there's a cadence to you and me talking, and this is not it, and it's really throwing me off. Much like <laughs> the double teams threw off Jason Tatum in the fourth quarter of this game. 
Well, okay, so that, that's perfect. I wanted to jump into this game, particularly in the fourth quarter. So the Pelicans have struggled in the fourth. Like they blew the game against the Phoenix Suns on Friday in like horrific fashion and did nothing. Here it was the exact opposite of that. And it started on the defensive side of the ball for New Orleans, shockingly enough. Yeah, the 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 double teams. And I was just like going through all of this, this film again and in, in part of my writing, like what the hell were they doing? They They were, obviously they were, blitzing Jason Tatum. They wanted to get the ball out of his hands. Mm-hmm. And and really what the Celtics, the, the Celtics just did not handle that well. Part of this, I think, is the Celtics haven't had any practice time. They, they don't really know what to do in this situation. It took them a while. Uh, eventually, they started to figure it out. And eventually, Tatum got to some of his spots. And that's why they were able to force the overtime. But they made a majority of their run by blitzing pick and rolls, and not just Tatum, they did yeah, it. They, they, they stopped the drop coverage they had been playing like most of the game, right? And the drop coverage was killing them. And oh, all of a sudden, brutal. they started blitzing, and the Celtics were like, "Oh my God, what do I do with the blitzing defense?" And it, it should be pretty obvious, like what you do with the blitzing defense is, "Oh, okay, they blitzed me." The next time out, you, uh, you, you either there's a number of ways you can do it. The big starts slipping the screen. So you immediately play four on three. You stop running pick and rolls and go into dribble handoffs and, and try something new and dare them to, to, to guard that the same way. And then you just, you know, do the bam out of bio, fake the dribble handoff and just go run in for a layup. There are a number of things that you can do. The problem with the Celtics right now is they're just not in a mature enough position. Uh, they haven't had enough practice time. Uh, they're, they're not as well versed with Tatum and Brown as the main options to, to account for all of that stuff. And it disrupted them just enough where that 24 point lead all just kind of fell apart. Yeah. Biggest comeback in team history, which is pretty wild to think about. So what did you think about point Zion? You and I talked about this on locked on NBA last week. And I know you had said you wanted to see him a little bit more and we're looking forward to it. They did a good job. So like, the first half, first three quarters, really, mainly the first half, they I thought they did an okay enough job defending him. I thought he just missed some bunnies that he normally would hit. I didn't think the refs really did him a ton of favors. The refing in that game just was crap all around, I thought. Um, <laughs> a J.J. Redick one, man, was weak. Um, the, but, oh, the k- kicking him out of the game was like, hey, I thought that did you guys a favor. It, it woke him up. It was That was actually important, right? Like but, that's kind of what woke New Orleans up. That's that's a that was a weak ejection. That was a very weak ejection. Yeah. So what did you think about Zion and Zion running point kind of how they ran the offense through him? I mean, I was thought it was fine. Like, I, I thought the Celtics defended everything fairly well mm-hmm. um, in the half court. I, I thought they did a good job, especially early digging at any time any Pelican got into the paint. They were digging, forcing live ball turnovers. I think at one point there were. Six turnovers for eleven points uh, off of those turnovers, or something like that. It was it was a ridiculous number. Uh, I thought they did a really good job. I don't think Point Zion was was the issue. Uh, I, I I kind of actually no, I agree with you. When I was when I was looking at it, I was like, oh yeah, oh there there there's some Point Zion, but I didn't see enough of it to be like, oh wow, this is a thing. Like I. Mm-hmm. For me to evaluate Point Zion, I have to like probably watch like three or four other games. 
yeah, it's been where, like a where month it worked stuff. better. Um, where the Celtics really defensively were lacking, they they got torched in transition in at the end there. They had twenty two um, points, I think, for New Orleans. Yeah, and the um, there was a point there where off of turnovers and off of misses, you guys just got really certainly uh, more aggressive. You guys were going north-south. New Orleans was going north-south, attacking the rim all the time. Like That whole fourth quarter, you look at it, and it's just top of the key, half court, straight down into the, you know, into the paint, and it was just forcing the issue. Whereas the Celtics, in the, in the second quarter, I was like, wow, Tatum is making some professional scoring moves. Jalen Brown is driving with patience and precision like that second quarter i was like man these guys look good in the fourth quarter they looked as bad as ever because they were going side to side they weren't attacking there was a lot of floaters there were a lot of fadeaways so i thought the celtics defensively they they just they were they were not they they were not tight like they were at the beginning and it's, it's partly because New Orleans was just pounding it in there. Yeah, I liked kind of the changes on there. I've been going back and forth on this and texting some friends. And I was at the game, too, which was like a weird experience for this one um, of like trying to figure out if this was more of like New Orleans won it or if Boston kind of blew it. I actually think it's kind of right in the middle, which is just terrible, you know, podcast take. But I was trying (laughs) to figure out if it was just like Boston out of sorts. But it's like the defense kind of causes them to do it. And that's kind of why I go down the middle on this one, I think. No, I, I agree. Like, New Orleans deserves the credit for changing what they did, aggressively attacking, and just forcing the issue and not rolling over. The Celtics also deserve blame for playing right into that and not doing other things that they could have done to counteract that. There were some yeah. sim- simple things that they could have counteracted that with, stuff that I mentioned before. And really the question now is, did Brad Stevens not do that because he just wanted these guys to try to figure it out on their own? Did he not want to tip a hand? Or did he just screw up? And I can see all arguments for all three. Look, I've seen plenty of, like, it's Stan Van Gundy's first year, and I have, like, a list of screw-ups he's had. So that certainly can kind of be a thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, and it, there, look, there's a lot of people on the Celtic side who are just like, it's funny there's a lot of parallels i think in 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 the fan base that are kind of like freaking out right off the bat and like immediately it kind of jumps to fire the coach or trade some players and it's it's not really that easy i we've seen that in new orleans here i've been seeing you kind of deal with that on your twitter with boston fans not liking the start and i don't know it's kind of weird how it goes and there's some parallels there to that oh yeah but that's always gonna be the case and i have to make sure that i'm like not getting caught up in twitter folks because Twitter folk ain't normal folk. And it's also just, vocal, vocal minority. Yeah. So there are, there are people all up in my mentions. When are you going to call Brad out? When are you going to hold his feet to the fire? When are you going to realize they should fire Brad? Like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, that's always going to be the case. Yeah. Been there with that one. Uh, so there you go. Pelicans fans, even on a team that can be as good as Boston, they tend to freak out too. So you're in good company if that's you and kind of going from game to game. All right, there we go. Thanks, John, for coming on. You got it, man.
All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Tomorrow on the show, I want to talk about should Josh Hart start? Got some thoughts on that and want to dive into a couple of things. So as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow.